Hey, thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Art of Mayo, where I sit down with creatives around the Central Valley and they share their experience and provide value to those looking to pursue their passion. What's up? I'm George St. Cloud. You're tuned into The Art of Mayo. Stick around for some craziness, some realness, some rawness, and have a good time. See y'all later. Bro, you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Ready for a podcast? Let's do it. You drink water. Yeah. Parched. So two burritos. The king of the burrito. The Padawan of the burrito. <sighs> two burritos. All in one podcast. Oh, this is epic. Could be could be interesting. Yeah. We gotta get into radio mode. Just like I do it at New Rock. <laughs> is it is it like a persona? You gotta like It is, dude. It was I took one of my friends and Drew and I got off the air and she was like, what the hell? <laughs> We're like, what? She goes, you guys go into like these cartoon characters <laughs> and you get at me and Drew like, I just yeah. feel like you got to put on a show. Just yeah, like, you, you do. Have like a different energy. Like, like, what's yeah. up guys? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But, and then you just in break kind of. Yeah. It's like, oh, back, yeah. so, back, back to your to phone, <laughs> literally on your phone. Just, all right, ready? All right, cool. Next one. Fuck. All right. Welcome back everybody. What's up? How's it? You know, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. <laughs> New Rock. When's the last time you were on New Rock? Ooh, shit. Was it like March or something like that? Dang, you guys, you have a good relationship with those. You've been on there a couple times, right? Oh, yeah, I'm going back the 23rd, like that. So I'm releasing the album that Friday, and then that following Sunday, it'll be on the Homegrown. Okay. I'm okay. just going to hook it up with that little slot. So Dude, talk cool. to me about the new album you're dropping. Dude. So it's a little weird with this project. It was like an on and off again kind of thing. Like, was I going to finish it? Was I not? And then when I decided, I was like, you know getting into the full-on adult life of working and stuff it was um i felt like i missed it not so much performing and stuff not that that wasn't fun but i was like dude making music like that was the fun part for me i go so i can at least go back to the studio a few hours and it happened one day i went to work and my boss is like what are you doing here i was like what do you mean he goes you have two days off i was like oh cool so i was like what am i gonna do for these two days and for whatever reason I was like, I pulled my phone out, started making these demos at home and it turned into like, you know, solid little sounding EP. And I was like, send the guy to the Robert to the studio. And I was like, dude, can we use these? Like, I go, this actually came out pretty good. And he's all, is that, if you want to do that, let, let's go for it. So it ended up turning into an EP project. And in the span of two years, we re-recorded everything, you know, finally got down to the mixing stuff. So we're getting ready to finally master it. And it's definitely just a mixture there's no people ask me oh what's the theme of it everyone like what's the theme of the album it's like there's really no theme it's just me music that's it there's not much to it there's stories it tells it's summer humorous there's a song about uh it's called no norco right it's about me just getting bitched at by a lot of uh patients at my old job being a pharmacy tech and stuff um and uh uh, stereo cloud is a song that took me literally maybe about three years to complete because the audio I had in my head when I was first writing it was like, okay, I wasn't nailing it. I was trying to find, you know, I had my old band Maui kind of threw the idea to them. And at practice, it was just like, nah, we don't really want to touch that song. I was like, oh, dude, you're crushing me here. Like this song <laughs> could be awesome. And, uh, so I finally sat down on those two days I had off and I finally sat down programmed some drums. And I go, this is it. I go, I did it. And the solo was what took me the longest. I go, I'm going to have an outro solo. Go, this is going to be like my hotel, California. I got to end this song. It's going to be the last song on the EP. A little lengthy. It's got an intro. It's got an outro. It's got a little hip hop kind of vibe to it. It's kind of weird. Uh, that old traditional sublimish reggae rock kind of. Oh, sick. Yeah. So it's a little infusion of a lot. The intro sounds like it's about to be like a, you're going to hit with like a metal track or something. And it's just like, oh, shit. And I threw some double kick in there. I was like, yeah, respect to my, you know, old metalhead days <laughs> and stuff like that. But dude, I'm so excited. It's still called Stereo Cloud. Again, Stereo Cloud is just a word I kind of went with as the place in my head where I go to write. So it's my getaway spot. Okay. Called Stereo Cloud. Um, it's not much to it. It's just a word that I personally use. Um, For genres and stuff, do you have anything in mind when you are writing? Or are you just kind of like an open book, whatever you're feeling? Well, see, cause it can be a little tricky because when you hear the first track called Six Shots, it's um, it starts off like an alternative. Honestly, it reminds me of Drive by Incubus, that vibe, okay. right? It's in the same key, by the way. It might be the same chords. I don't know. <laughs> heavily <laughs> so, inspired. Heavily inspired, possibly. Um, but definitely the vocal lines have different melody to it. But it's definitely more of an alternative track. And one might be tricked when they hear that song first. Like, 
oh, this guy's alternative. Then you go to the right next track, it's uh, Fireball, which is one of my more heavily like reggae-ish tracks, and you can hear it. Um, then followed by No Norco, which hits you with like this right off the bat guitar solo, like right in your face. The audio was super loud for whatever reason. Robert wanted to have it loud, <laughs> but I don't blame him. It's a really like in your face song. It's really personal about things I wasn't able to tell, like really mean people back at work. So this is my, you know, my middle finger back to a lot of evil people and it's stuff so like that. So it's a funny song, though. Um, I kept it humorous. There's a little skit in the kind of middle where I kind of just go off on an intercom kind of thing. Um, Shoot for the Stars is the fourth track on there. It's a very old song. I did, I decided to revive it. I think I wrote it back in 2013, so about six years ago. I released it on iTunes. And I'm listening to it. I was like, man, I rushed this song. I go, this is one of those songs or one of those projects where you're like, I need to like put this aside where I can fully focus on this song. I was like, it has a really poppy element to it. For one, it has a bridge, which I don't put a lot of bridges in my songs for whatever reason. I don't know if I'm just lazy uh, or I just never learned to incorporate bridges into music because I was heavily oriented on guitar. So adding guitar solos. So there's quite a bit of guitar work on the EP as well. Okay. In place where, you know, normally where you'd find like a bridge or something. But this song, for instance, has a nice little bridge, kind of soothes out the whole kind of little break in the middle of the whole EP. Uh, followed by <laughs> Target Baby, which that song, uh, I wrote about this girl. I, it's, I know it sounds creepy, but she's aware of it now. <laughs> uh, but literally, like, she rang me up. She was a new girl at Target when I was working. And uh, I don't know, man, I thought she was really pretty, but she was wearing like these freaking huge pearl earrings. And I'm just like, all right, that's a little over the top right there. Like, <laughs> like, I get it. You know, they're nice. But these things were like huge. I was like, whatever. She's down and her name tag said like Yami. It was Y-A-M-I. I was like, never heard of that name. I was like, she's pretty. She's cool. She was like asking me if I worked here and stuff. So we made a conversation. And like, I literally went home and like, for whatever reason, started writing a song about that interaction I had with her. It was supposed to be just, uh, hey, here, check this out. And then I'm like listening to more and more. And I'm like, hey, this song's actually really good. It's actually catchy. So I threw that one in kind of last minute. And again, Stereo Cloud was the last song. But definitely, dude, emotions on and off again. Being a musician, I'm not sure you can relate. You know, being an artist yourself. Yeah. Um, a lot of stuff comes in. You know, we deal with life and stuff like that. So um, it was just a big decision if I wanted to finally, you know, put this out. And fortunately... You know, you have people who um, really stick behind what you do and ask about, you know, and sometimes all it takes is that one person like, hey, man, what kind of when's the next song coming out or something? It's like, hey, you know, so there's someone there out there listening. So uh, it was heavily inspired by friends to get back into doing something that uh, I really should be doing and I really enjoyed. And uh, seeing my old fellow, you know, acoustic solo artists and, you know, the band's still going and pushing out there. I was like, man, you know, there should be no reason to stop ever, you know, doing something you love. So uh, inspired by my locals, for sure. Absolutely. And I know you, uh, you've you struggled a little bit with like finding music and, you know, you're not too sure if you want to continue it or you want to, you know, stop it. Um, what pulls you through or what's some advice you can give to other musicians that are kind of struggling with if they want to continue with their music path? See, a lot of it is, you know, and I'm sure they'll agree is the best time to write is when you're feeling the most emotion. Um, that's the best time to work. That's the most you're going to be raw and real in yourself. Um, that happened to me the first time I wrote a song. The first time I even wrote it was capable of writing a song was because of a heartbreak, right? The first time I had my heart broken and it was just like lonely in the apartment. And I was like picked up the acoustic guitar after, I don't know, six, seven months that I hadn't picked it up. And I was like, started singing and writing. And it's just like, well, here it goes. Like, well, here's all that emotion coming out in the form of, you know, art pretty much. But uh, it's literally how much work you want to put into it. I tell that to everybody. It's like I can always show, you know, someone the basics of how to play the guitar. But it's like how much you want to go beyond that. You know, do you want to take it upon yourself to go read up magazines or Guitar World, whatever. I used to read guitar tabs, all the exercises. I would practice them all the time. Scales, modes. Nobody liked to learn them. But I was like, you know what? They actually help. It's really dedication and you're, in, you're like a, a metalhead as well right like oh, you're like heavy into metallica definitely i think dimebag daryl sets you know the record for me as far as guitar goes yes yeah. i think my buddy miguel showed me pantera i think sophomore year in high school i knew about iron man you know uh you know enter sandman with all the mainstream stuff but then when he showed me pantera i was like dude this it's is different another level this yeah. is it's got like attitude. It's, it's like got, I was going to yeah. say, I go, it's heavy, but it's got some attitude to it. It's really saying something here. 
Um, even the fast stuff, you know, Dime was so capable of just writing these riffs where it's just like they get through to you. It's like, dude, I need to go learn that right now. And I think the first time I heard Cemetery Gates, that intro riff, I was like, oh, my God. And then that solo, his use of the whammy. But anyways, just, you know, Dimebag obviously was one of the greatest ever, ever to walk this world. And um, a lot of it comes from what you listen to, definitely, though. Uh, so I guess what you're wanting to be learning, you know, if you're uh, wanting to be a great guitar player, maybe you focus on uh, listening to, you know, Steve Vai, Joe Satriani, uh, Yngwie Malmsteen, you know, crazy solo artists like that, you know, doing wicked stuff on guitar, which is what I did. Um, but if you want to, you know, be like that and you're listening to some like, I don't know, soft acoustic stuff, I go, sure, you know, but you really got to incorporate what you're trying to learn, what you're going to be listening to. Uh, I found that a lot when I transitioned to songwriting and I got heavily into sublime. I kind of noticed that transition where I would be like, you know, back in the day, I was like, bam, shredding every other song or hella hardcore riffing. Then it was like, oh, easy little skank chords, little reggae chords. I was like, all right, this is a little different. Well, obviously, I'm listening to different music nowadays. So, yes, I can see that effect on it. And then there's times where, you know, I'll go through like a little Nirvana phase where I'll, I'll listen nothing but Nirvana, Kurt Cobain, you know, stuff on YouTube. And it's just like you try to incorporate that little grunge kind of little lazy. I don't want to say lazy, but he's a little bit more kind of dirty on his guitar playing at times but yeah it seems like they're trying to incorporate more of a an emotion yeah yeah so, so same with sublime and i Nirvana. totally get that especially you know sometimes the way you strum even it's just the patterns you pick it, it comes from all over the place so back as far as you know advice to give you people it's learn to take you know any advice you can get learn to take any inspiration you can get from whenever and wherever that's the beauty i always think about having an acoustic guitar wherever i go is you like know, the it's thing, right, right yeah exactly it's right there whenever you need it so uh get some water real quick absolutely man <laughs> um so explain a little bit with the fans uh you you've gone under a couple different names uh you by your your name george anthony <laughs> or you've done uh is it stereo cloud or is it george st cloud like, okay so just buddy, break it down for us <laughs> my buddy my buddy adam's gonna laugh at this one all right so i think we were on a trip in the uh, his brother's birthday in Arizona, right? And we're driving back, and I, I'm telling them, this is when I, 2012, I think, when I first started doing the whole music thing, and I was like, hey, guys, you know, I got a couple songs. <laughs> like, I think it's time for a name. I was like, Anthony D. And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> he starts laughing. And I'm just like, shoot. I was like, what happened? He goes, dude, that's a stupid name. He goes, and right away, it's like, well, what's your name? I go, well, you know, George Anthony Delgado. He goes, why don't you use George Anthony? That sounds clean right there. I was like, oh, yeah. I, you're right. Yeah, it's got like a little bit of a ring to it. Right? Yeah. I was like, it's a little nicer than Anthony T, I guess. <laughs> so immediately I get home and like I immediately changed my name on Facebook. It's like George Anthony. And I was like, there it was. I was like, there we go. So, yeah, I started, you know, going off that name a lot. Did this home acoustic demo, which got handed out to uh, Drew from New Rock 104.1. And he got a hold of it. And, so from then on, it was weird, though, because I'd always been called Anthony by my friends and family. Like, I had never. Oh, OK. Yeah, so I never, was George. Okay. never had gone by the name George. It was always, you know, Anthony. So I was like, at some point, I guess I just never said anything. And I just stuck with the whole George Anthony, George kind of oh. thing. So I was like, OK. So I guess it was more like when I came to Fresno thing, obviously, because we'd be hanging out with mutual friends. And some of my other friends would be like, hey, Anthony, where you at? And people were just like, Anthony, your name's George. I go, well, yeah, sometimes I have to explain it. So <laughs> that covers that. But what happened was I went and released um, that single, Shoot for the Stars, I told you on iTunes, and I found out there was another George Anthony that was linked to my music, oh. except he was doing like kind of rave house music. And I was like, no, I go, my music's going to be linked to that. So if someone, you know, looks at my name, they're going to think that music's mine, but it's compete. really not. So yeah. I go, no, I can't really have that. So I was like, well, that, you know, stereo cloud, I go, I always thought about, you know, that little word I use. I go, well, that'd be kind of cool. And then I kind of tossed the idea around and people were like, dude, that sounds more like for sure the album name. I go, but the, I go, yeah, I go, I agree with them. I was like, so what am I going to do? So we're, you know, drinking one night, me, my buddy Adam, my buddy Joe, and we're just tossing like just different names around and just kind of messing around. And I think Joe threw out the name George St. Cloud. And I was like, huh, I go, that's pretty cool. So it was like two weeks ago, actually. I'm sitting there like, okay, it's getting ready. The album EP's almost done. It's like, all right, what am I going to release it? And I'm like, I should probably thought of that about this a long time ago. I was like, well, George St. Cloud. 
I said, I go to Google immediately, George St. Cloud music. Nothing. There's just like a YouTube link about a lake called George St. Cloud or something like that. So I was like, okay, <laughs> Spotify, George St. Cloud, nothing. Google Play, George St. Cloud. I couldn't find anything. I was like, all right, this, this has to be legit. I go, I can't find anything. So I made a logo real quick, created the Facebook page. And I was like, boom, pretty much kind of stamped it in unofficially. And yeah, I released the album cover and just pretty simple, you know, nothing crazy. Cause that's what the songs reflect. They're very, uh, a lot of them, the simplicity around it is just, you know, straight to the point. Sing along kind of songs is what I like to think of them. Uh, I've demoed them out as far as showing a few people, you know, hey, check this song out. You know, actually, you want to listen to the you know preview with me. And I've gotten some good responses. Of course, people are like, oh, you need to do this. I was like, dude, it's a demo. We're still mixing it. Like, this is why I'm showing you. I go, but thanks for the input. But they're like thinking I'm showing them final product. It's like, no, no. This but is- sometimes that's valuable, too, because I know a lot of people struggle with finding people that give out good feedback you know because you get the friends and family that kind of like i love everything you do definitely like, yeah yeah like, you want to have those people that are kind of in your ear like so, no really though what do you feel about it exactly <laughs> so i had a um a student and uh you know i teach pharmacy tech at one of the community colleges here and uh i was like you know what I, i've never showed anybody in this class. i've never even told them you know i do music like they oh, think as far okay. as they are concerned it's like oh our instructor is just a pharmacy tech dude like he's not cool he's just a lame, lame guy so I called her. I was like, hey, uh, connect your headphones, you know, to my phone. I go, I want to show you something. She goes, what is it? I go, it's, you know, a song I made. You know, can you listen to it? She's right there. I mean, I'm pretending to do my work. And she's like bobbing her head. I was like, yes. <laughs> so she gets off. She goes, that wasn't you. I was like, okay, first off, I go, I take that as a compliment. I was like, yeah, it really was me. I swear. Uh, so uh, I used to ride the bus a lot. Um, I would always show strangers on the bus, you know, we'd get in conversation. I'd kind of bring it up, kind of sneak it in there. Hey, I'm a musician. Kind of check this out real quick. Um, uh, and Shoot for the Stars was a good popular one, which is why I was like, OK, I really need to focus on that track. But a lot of it goes like that. You know, I, that's why I like enjoying meeting new people. It's like they're not they're not going to be favoring you just because they know you personally or something. They're just going to make you feel good. Not that that's not OK from your friends and stuff, but <laughs> um I don't know. So some people uh, I find are intimidated or terrified to go about uh, meeting new people and stuff like that. But to be honest with you, especially being a musician, that's probably what you want to be doing. Yeah. Uh, you gain lots of stories, lots of inspiration. Again, you know, uh, it's about what you go through. Uh, I got lost in downtown, not lost, but I got stranded in downtown LA one time and it was just probably one of the most wicked stories I could ever tell uh, to brief it up. Yeah, my buddy was supposed to let me stay there and um, record at Musicians Institute because he was a student there. Okay, and um, he's like, "Yeah, man, come for the weekend, and uh, we'll uh, we'll record. You know, we'll get your demos in a real studio." I'm thinking, like, dude, finally a real studio. I could not like not in my house in my room with the USB mic and stuff. So we show up. He's uh oh, security's like, "Hey, uh, where's his waiver?" <laughs> my buddy's like, "What do you mean, what waiver?" Because he asked the weekend, there's no, you know, instructors here. We need to have uh, a waiver for him that he's going to be on campus. So, dude, he just came from Fresno. Like, he's not, like, there's no way. Like, nobody told me this. So, yeah, sorry, man. I can't let him in. So, I'm just thinking, like, yo, Chris, what the hell's going on, bro? Like, what yeah, am that, I going to do? That must be, like, scary. <laughs> like, right? What? And it's, you know, it's supposed to be, you know, he's still a buddy of mine. I'll just never let the story go <laughs> because of the story. But so he's like, hey, man. I gotta, uh, I gotta like stay here and use the studio time because I already booked it. And I'm thinking like, where am I supposed to go, dude? I was like, I'm in Hollywood. Like, I'm supposed to be staying at your pad for the weekend. He's all, well, you know, just you know, just I guess kind of hover around. I kind of try to get a hold of my aunt and stuff. She lived kind of in the area, but no luck. So I ended up on this train, you know, the metro all the way back to downtown LA from Hollywood. And I'm just thinking like, dude what am I doing here right now? Like, why am I <laughs> oh, here right now? I was like, am I, I, those yeah, I was like, am I at a rock bottom or something? I go, why do I feel like this? <laughs> From SpongeBob. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, um, so I get back and I have to walk back to the Greyhound cause my bus ticket's not till the next day. Right. I was supposed to be there the whole weekend. Oh man. And I had told him, I was like, dude, I go, I haven't got paid. I'm low on cash. You know, he goes, Oh, it's cool. We don't need money, man. You know, we're going to be staying here. I was like, all right, man, cool. I think I had like 20 bucks or something like that. 
Oh. And, um, dude, but you know, he was assuring me like, Hey man, this, you know, it's all good. So I get back and I'm walking to the, uh, the Greyhound, which is I think 12 blocks. I want to say in downtown LA. And that's, it was about an hour walk. And I had the guitar and I had a bag of clothes on my back. So I'm walking with weight on me. Right. I get to Greyhound and I stop and get McDonald's. Right. And that's where I messed up because I get to the Greyhound. I go, Hey, um, I heard you can change your ticket. They go, oh, yeah, it's going to be, uh, I think it was like 16 bucks. And I was like, oh, I go, I just used my money you know, oh, to pay for no. McDonald's. Otherwise, I could have changed it right there. So I was like, dang it. So she goes, oh, um, oh, no, no, sorry. Uh, Chris calls me. He goes, hey, man, can you make it back here, you know, to the, to the train station, you know, real quick? I was like, yeah, dude. So I go outside and there's like these unofficial Mexican dudes, you know, unofficial Lyft Uber drivers just kind of pay them. They take you. Oh, I, is that a thing? Yeah. Okay. Apparently that's a thing, right? Okay. So I'm just thinking like, all right, he's telling me to get there as fast as I can. I got to go. So I have, I give him, he goes, hey man, uh, 20 bucks, you know, take me the 12 blocks. I go, uh-uh, I'll give you 10. All right, cool. So I give him 10. So I'm down like 13 bucks or something like, I have three bucks. And I get there and my buddy Chris gives me 10 bucks. He goes, here man, so you can change your ticket. I'm just thinking like. I just spent 10 bucks getting dude. here, man. He's all, are you stupid? I go, dude, don't ever call me stupid, man. And we were right there in the middle of the whole train station just arguing. Yeah, man. And I had an iPhone at the time and my charger, dude, it was literally like on the verge of ripping completely. And it finally like went and he goes, where's your charger? I go, dude, it just broke, man. Like I'm not having the best day. I go, you kind of need to back off me right now. Friendship bracelets on the floor. Right. So he gives me his charger. He goes, dude. I go, so wait, are you going home? Or he goes, well, my uncle asked me to go to Quinceanera with him somewhere in like Napa or something. He goes, I'm going to go with him. I'm thinking like, dude, what is what? wrong with you right now? So I'm thinking like, you're like, so not being a good homie right now. Like not at all. And so I get back to, I walk again, dude, an hour back to Greyhound. And she goes, oh, did you know 7-Eleven does $7 Greyhound tickets? I'm thinking like, what? Why didn't you tell me that earlier? I go, is there a 7-Eleven here? She goes, yeah, but it's 11 blocks that way. And I'm thinking like, oh, my God, another hour walk, dude. So I was like, I have no choice, man. This is in the middle of the night, too? Yeah. Oh, man. So I go and I get there and I go, hey, you guys sell 7-Eleven uh, Greyhound tickets? He's like, oh, yeah. I was like, oh, dang, yes. He goes, where's your barcode? <laughs> I'm like, what barcode? Yeah. I go, you don't do those here? He goes, no, you got to print it on a computer. I go, dude, you don't have a computer I can use? He goes, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> so I'm thinking like, dude, what the hell? So I'm like, literally at this point, I was like, whatever. I'm going to like lonely, sad walk back to Greyhound. Just whatever. Sleep there, I guess, in the interval and like come home, you know, when my tickets do. So I sit there and I get the idea. I was like, well, let me let me just pull a guitar out and sing outside. Let me see if I can make some cash or something. And, dude, I made like 20 bucks within like 15 minutes. I was just sitting oh, outside wow. singing my originals. And I had pretty much like same three songs I had at the time and repeat. I made like 20 bucks. I rushed in. And then late, um, it wasn't some other lady now. But I was telling her, I was like, hey, you know, the lady said I can change my ticket. She goes, oh, yeah. So they changed my ticket. I think like 15 minutes later, the bus showed up. So I like barely made it in time to finally get back home. Dude. And I'm on the bus so I'm looking out the window, just at downtown LA thinking, like, I fucking hate you. <laughs> like, <laughs> dude, that, like, for sure, hands down, is probably one of the most, like, <laughs> crazy stories I can ever experience as far as um, being a musician, right? Yeah. So, you know, I've had my fun and stuff. You know, I've had different bandmates. Obviously, we've gone to shows, hung out and stuff. And But that experience was just like, dude, that's like, that's a musician right there, man. Like you never know. Like, yeah, I could take you anywhere, man. It's it crazy. can take you anywhere. It's like it's to the top or to the bottom. Literally, right. And that day, I was just like, I don't know where the hell I was, but I, I learned from it. Definitely, it wasn't something like, oh, I never want to go through that again. Like I, I tell that story. I don't know to many people. It's like I don't know. For me, it was a cheer me up now because I think about it. But I remember that day it was being so hot walking downtown LA, like. um, some lady was like, I'm pretty sure she had like this diaper thing and she was just sitting there, dude, like home, like where I was walking, there was like a lot of homeless and then yeah. like, you know, people arguing the whole time. I'm just like, dude, this is not where I should be right now. Uh, but because of music, you know, I ended up there for whatever reason, you know, I had to end up there that day, but it's, uh, 
I survived that day, you know, and I made it home because of my music. I guess that was the lesson for me to learn that day. So I guess never give up on that thought for your own self. Um, again, you know, we all go through mental things every now and then it kind of breaks us for the time being sometimes, you know, sometimes a little more than others, but I've never felt where I can not pick up my guitar and music won't affect me in a positive way, no matter how I was feeling. Like if I had a bad day at work, that Norco song, for instance, kind of helped me through that day. I remember that day. It was a bad day at work or, um, you know, just meeting someone that made, you know, put a smile, a simple smile on your face for the day, you know, and how much impact they can have on you to go home and write a song, you know, about that situation. And so and that's simply because I've never stopped and simply because I've always kept the fun around as far as music goes. And, you know, when I first received, I think I played Club Retro it was one of my first shows in Fresno and. They gave me like 26 bucks, right? I didn't even know I was getting paid. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then. Yeah, rest in peace, Club Retro. Man. Yeah, right? A lot of OGs play there, man, for sure. I was telling you earlier, that's why I first, uh, I think I seen Eye the Deceiver and He Cried Wolf was the first time I seen those two bands. And I was like, dude, this scene is popping. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Like definitely. people come out, like they show the love for sure. Ooh, that had to have been about 2013. 2013. Yeah. Yeah, def definitely a lot of has happened in the Fresno music scene. So it's growing really fast. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot going on. Yeah, I remember that day specifically. I, I met a few people that night, which I didn't I ended up coming around full circle in the future as far as, you know, knowing all the local musicians. Okay. But that night, specifically these two, they made us sign this contract that we were not gonna play cover songs at Club Retro. Oh, interesting. Right. And I'm thinking, like, well, you know, when I'm signing this, I go, What am I doing? I go, What is this? I she goes, Oh yeah, you guys you just can't play cover songs because we had an issue. Someone played someone's songs here before and they, you know, try to do a lawsuit. And I was like, well, that's dumb, but okay, whatever. Yeah. So I'm signing it. And I, I'm fairly new, you know. I, I was just approached to this show to come, you know, just jam out. I'm thinking, and I was like, I was like, oh, crap, it's an actual show. They're making flyers and stuff. I was like, oh, crap, this is cool. So, again, you know, being new, this first experience as far as that goes. And I get there, and I'm like, dude, I'm running out of, like, songs. I think I play, like, five and a half songs. Oh man, how long was your set? Dude, it was like 15 minutes in. And I'm thinking, like, Yay. this no cover thing is killing me right now, man. So I was like, yeah, I'm done. And they're like, no, oh, just keep just jam whatever. So I was like, cool. So uh I'm jamming out and I'm thinking, like, dude, that's it. Like, I can't play these songs again. It's gonna be the same setting. And I was like, what do I do? So I was like, Sublime. I go, I'll play Sublime. I go, I'll play a very not popular Sublime song. Oh. <laughs> like something that's not on the radio or so, you know. So, and I think it was uh, Ball and Chain by Sublime. And I was like, I'll sing that song. But it was hilarious because as I'm singing it, you can tell it was like a song I was very familiar with compared to the five originals I was playing before. I was a little kind of stuttery with, stuttery with them. Oh, yeah. And then there's this song where it's like, what the heck? He knows this song very well, obviously. And I'm like jamming it out, right? And that's what I ended my set with was a sublime cover in secrecy. And I was like, all right, cool. You know, thank you very much. I'm out. <laughs> and I get <laughs> off the stage and those two people come up to me, which is uh, uh, Callie. I think she plays with uh, Small Town Cinema now. And then Ryan, who used to be the old uh, lead guitarist for One Ounce at the time. There were the two that walked up to me and they go, Dude, you played a Sublime song. Oh, I'm just shit. thinking like, Rebel. yeah, I'm thinking like, oh, shit, dude. They're like, dude, that was awesome. I was like, dude, I wasn't supposed to play that. They go, I was like, nothing, dude. I was like, well, you know, kudos to you for noticing on that one. I was like, I didn't think anyone was going to notice. But um, that was Club Retro. And I was like, dude, that, that was, you know, that was my first taste of being on stage in front of the kind of lights kind of thing. Because the first show I played was or 20, 2012 at this place called the Lamppost Bar in, in downtown. Small little dive bar, but it was uh, with uh, the bland, uh, band White Glove Service, which they're Ooh. doing very well now, which back in the day, yeah. they were just getting started, though. Uh, we're talking like 2013? To, uh, 2012. 2012. So wow. about seven yeah. years ago. I just shot their set uh, yeah. two days ago. That's weird. Right? That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're doing Dude, well right oh now. Oh, my God. It's, they're one of those, you know, where you actually... I was fortunate to see them from their start where they've excelled now. It's just like, God, dude, they are a perfect example of what you should be, how a band should be, to be honest with you. And I've hung out. I know a few of the guys. It's like, they're so cool. Definitely. Wherever you run into them. Um, and I always will tell them, I was like, dude, I always remember you guys from the lamppost where they're like, dude, that was a long time ago, man. I was like, yeah. 
I go, what? You know, you guys stuck with it. So did I. So, you know, we're doing something that makes us happy. So as long as we keep doing it, you know, that's all that matters. Exactly. What do you like best playing uh, live? Like what's the best aspect for you? Um, I definitely, so acoustically, um, I like like the Fulton 55 vibe where the stage is more, you know, lower to the crowd kind of stuff. Um, cause I played strummers before strummers is great. Um, but for acoustic vibe, you know, you're a little bit more off, you know, I like being more. Yeah. Intimate. There is something like the ground level <laughs> thing. It is a lot better with so acoustics for my, um, my EP release next month. I'm thinking like, well, you know what? Maybe, you know, I got a buddy. They got a nice house. It's like, maybe I'll just do an intimate acoustic release party. And, you know, no Be charge. Fine. There's, you know, bring our own alcohol, have our own fun. Uh, I got a buddy, you know, does sound for me. He's, this, you know, buddy I grew up with in Fireball. So, you, you know. Okay. Um, and I would go to him back in the day, like, you know, Jason, dude, what's the scale right here, man? Like, this was like my guitar guru for me when I first picked it up, right? Yeah. Because uh, my buddy Miguel showed me the heavy metal stuff, but this guy got me into like the instrumental guitar players. And I was like, dude, that's sick. So we grew up together and he's always like, dude, I got you, man. So he's one of those good buddies for mine and I'm very appreciative of him. So that's the idea. And making a full out acoustic, you know, party for, you know, because there's always that challenge when you get set to open a show acoustically and everyone else has a full out band. Yeah, it's got it's a different mindset. You get so, what I mean? Yeah, the crowd wants is like used to like a loud, like, you know, interactive thing and acoustics more like it's meant to be, I guess stereotypically you're thinking like, oh, soft acoustic, you know, rock. So I was like, at one point I was like, okay, I, I did struggle with that as well. Not so much that it was a struggle, but I was like, okay, I, I experienced it. Like, okay, you kind of after a few songs, it's like if you don't change it up, keep it strictly acoustic, it's um you tend to lose focus of some people if you pay, really pay attention to the crowd. So I'm like, what can I start doing to avoid that? So when I start playing, it's like I have no mindset that like, okay, I'm here acoustically. It's like I'm here. I'm ready to play. So I'll bring full out energy. I don't sit back. I don't, you know, come for myself and get in a position. It's like, no, I'm, I hold my guitar classical style, number one, which acoustically everyone's like, oh, you know, on your right, you know, whatever. Yeah. Lap, righty, lefty. It's like, no, I hold it. Like I would an electric guitar, you know, I got to have that grasp and feeling of my whole instrument while I'm playing. It's like a release full energy. And uh, even if I'm sitting or standing, it doesn't matter, but I will always be moving or full out energy every single song. Maybe even by the fifth song, you know, it's like um, maybe tone it down a little bit, maybe just a little bit, though. But it's I find it very useful, especially how I said I incorporate a lot of that sublime kind of reggae. So and I was like, OK, right. You have that. Dun, dun kind of thing i was like how can i play my guitar to make it not just so dun, dun. so i was like dun, 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 dun. yeah so i started Rhythm. scratching right started scratching the strings okay like, and it just naturally became my strumming style now so any song i write now is just the way i play my guitar i'm so used to adding that scratch because i'm so used to playing acoustically it's like you got to bring the extra kind of rhythm somehow so for me that's kind of what helps me a lot and as far as you know full out energy on vocals and singing so, yeah, but for once, I'm, I'm thinking of doing this EP release with a lot of my fellow acoustic. You know, we have Hazy Autumn, JD. Um, uh, we can do, I don't know, I thought about bringing even Cockamamie Jamie back, which is a you know hip-hop artist here in Fresno. And I had him do the, uh, he was the only hip-hop artist we had that night. We had uh, Simple Sensation, uh, which is, you know, obviously full-out reggae band. Maui was a little bit more rock-oriented with the reggae influence. And then... We had a, a punk band. Oh, gosh, I can't remember their name. I think they transitioned to a new band since. But then I had Cockamamie Jamie. And I remember people thinking, like, well, why do you have, like, Jamie in the middle of the set? It's like, dope, though. I go, dude, have you ever not seen Cockamamie Jamie perform? It's like, there's a good chance by the end of the night, like, you're going to be friends with the people standing next to you. And they're looking at me, I go, yeah, he does this thing sometimes in the middle of his set, which I won't ruin, you know, for his future show purposes. But it's like, he gets everyone involved in his set. And I was like, I, I've seen videos and stuff and like his old videos when he was an Argyle pimp. So I, I followed or more backtrack a lot of when I discover a local musician. It's like, well, where do they come from? You know, and that stuff's interesting to me. Yeah. You know, can I relate to this person? And for me, instantly, you know, someone like Jamie, I was like, this dude loves horror movie. I go, dude, that's my shit right there, man. <laughs> so um, 
but the first time I had a conversation with him was that night of the the Maui EP release, and I'm thinking like, this guy's intellectual level is beyond. <laughs> like, there's a reason this guy's an MC, and I, you know, I experienced it that night. I'm like, yeah, this dude's like lyrically just insane. This guy's awesome, and you know, of course, I backtracked to Argyle Pimps, and even then, um, his old uh, partner, I guess you'd say, Boney. They were a great duo, man. And the music they put out, I was like, dude, this is local. Like, this makes you really proud to be representing, you know, not just a scene, right? We have, oh, reggae scene. We have the rock scene. It's like, no, I'm talking about the whole music scene, right? We all have to offer because, you know, I listen to all music. So it's not like I like to be, oh, he's part of the reggae scene. It's like, no, man, we're just part of all the same scene. We just do different music. Like, there's no competition here. That's the way it is. Like, literally, that's how music is. You go to the radio. It's the radio. You just channel through different channels what you want to hear one day, you know? And uh, that's what I try to go with on Stereo Cloud was like first song, kind of different vibes. You know, if you don't want to hear this song, well, try listening to this song, you know? Maybe it has a different feeling for you or vice versa with other songs. Um, Sometimes, though, I, you know, you get into full out writing mode and you get a full out artistic mode where you don't want to be bugged. And it's not like a douche thing that you're trying to express yourself as, but it's just like, yo, like. I'm really thinking right now, man, like there's some stuff, you know, cooking and you kind of sometimes you kind of know it where you don't want to be bugged, where you end up, I don't know, maybe you're editing at the computer for hours and it doesn't feel like hours. You're like, oh, shoot. Yeah, it's in like, zone. Yeah. yeah. So like the other day, I think we did six hours in the recording studio and I was, I told Robert, I go, dude, I do. That's probably the longest session we've ever done, dude. I go, I didn't even feel like it. Um, where do you record at? We record, I record at downtown. It's called At The Studio, okay. simply At The Studio, and is with Robert Ariola. Recording At The Studio, I like that. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's simple. It's literally like, where you go? It's like, I'm at the studio. I'm at the studio. At the studio. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at the What's studio. What's their Instagram at handle? The at, at, at The Studio. <laughs> at The Studio, right? And uh, But he used to do sound a lot when Audi's Olympic was still open, right? Before it was okay. full circle, when it was still Audi's. And um He's like, yeah, man, come tour the studio one day. And I walked in, dude, and it's got like this Abbey Road vibe to it. I don't know if you've ever seen, you know, pictures of Abbey Road with the Beatles in it. Yeah. And it's just this big open room with this nice wood floors, the nice walls. And I'm just like, it's just big, open, comforting space. I go, dude, this is definitely where someone would want to be recording. Yeah, for six hours, right? And not only that, but he's, I think it's over 25, 30 years he's been doing this. Wow. So most of his life, you know, he started in San Francisco, worked with a lot of great people over his life and, you know, made his way back to Fresno. And uh, he's the first person. I, I, it didn't even take me to tour a second studio. It was like, I go, dude, this is the spot right here. It was just, it fit my vibe. You know, I um, I guess where I come from, mainly my childhood was spent on a ranch. So it was a little weird. But then, you know, Fireball was just small residential area. It's very simple. So I think that's where a lot of the simplicity of my music comes around. You know, just keep it simple. You know, you don't, there's not like, I'm going to sit there and lie and pretend like, oh, dude, I come from this big old place and like, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, it's literally the song Fireball says, <laughs> I think it's like three miles long, I believe. Two stoplights. Wow. <laughs> it's, the, it's the length of Fireball. <laughs> It's <laughs> keeping it real though, man. But again, yeah. man, you know, it's it's where I was placed in life. It's you know, it's like, all right, here's you know, here's your start, you know, exactly. This is me. And I'm very grateful for it. And uh but dude, overall, I'm very excited. I'm I'm glad I stuck with the decision to go back to the studio and get these mixes and mastering going. Cause um again, dude, friends, supporters, it's like the ones who are like, dude, you shouldn't be like not in the studio or not performing or not doing something musically like, like yeah it seems have, like it's a part of you yeah exactly and, and it's good to take a break though i mean yeah, yeah. so i think that's what ended up happening it was yeah. like you know definitely guys myself need to reevaluate that a little better next time but at some point it felt you know especially getting a new job and stuff i was like oh you know what i think it's finally finally time to next hang chapter. it up yeah exactly the next chapter kind of thing and you start slowly realizing like dude, why am I not like waking up like energized like I used to? Like, I love my job. Don't get me wrong. I love going to work every day. But it's like, there's that in between where I'm not at work. It's like, well, why do I feel empty now? It's like, well, I stopped doing music. I was like, I remember yeah. like doing so many shows, getting hit up to do so many shows. Uh, you were with me when we did the the Drake uh, Bell show. And uh, that was a crazy show. That was a good show. Dude, that was fun. And that was like last minute, you know, Tony from, uh, I think actually Robert from Simple Sensation was like, hey, uh, 
Tony was asking about you, uh, about possibly opening up for Drake Bell. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I go, what? Okay. There. So I messaged him. I was like, hey, Tony, I heard you need an acoustic. Over. Just bam, real quick. Yeah, man. So it ended up being uh, myself and Kat, you know. She killed it that night as well. Kat's a freaking amazing artist. Dude, her voice. Is, dude, she's really good. <laughs> yeah. Dude, she's got the pop star, like, element on lock for sure. Kat's one of those definitely uh, figures, I guess, as far as the music industry goes. Um, she definitely has got that voice, dude, where it's just like, man, can take her very long way. And she definitely puts her work in. It's, she makes it very noticeable. So again, I, I can reflect to a lot of my local musician buddies that I've met over the years. It's like, dude, it's, and also, you know, get inspired by that. It's, it shouldn't be a reason, you know, she'd be happy for everybody. So absolutely. You know, there, there's times where even that whole, I, I, I seen a meme about it. <laughs> They're like, oh, after shows, every band's like, oh yeah, good job, dude. Like, it's just a natural <laughs> thing to uh... do. Good set. Good nice. set, man. Good set. Oh, good set, man. You sound good. Good set. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just From thing. outside the venue. <laughs> but it's like, even if it's, you know, seen as just a thing to do, it's like, even something simple as that, it's like, dude, I was watching, like, you know? Yeah. It's sometimes good just to know, like, hey, it's man. It's respect. You yeah. know what I mean? It takes a lot of guts to be on those stages to do that. It really is. And I remember having to play with sunglasses a lot. Because I just hated looking at people. It was like, dude, I have to have sunglasses. I feel so shy. Like, And that was me when I started. As I was a very shy person. Like, I could not approach people the way I can now and just start conversation with someone. It was uh, very shy. And, and again, music, you know, it's like, dude, you're going to be up there. They're going to be watching and listening to you. Like, this is the whole purpose of you being on that stage. Yeah, it's like a weird... Yeah, a lot of people find different inspirations too. Like some people just like the the creative process, but yeah. then when it becomes performing what you made, it's like, oh, I wasn't, I didn't know we were invested this much into it. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just like, dude, I really have to put on an act here. It's, you know, you got to perform. So I'm like, all right. So you just start developing this. All right. It's all right. Take the sunglasses off was the first step. All right. All right. What can I look at out there? For me, it was the lights. Anytime a venue has lights, I'm like, oh, thank goodness. I was like, I can look at the lights. Don't have to look at anybody else and my eyes don't have to be closed because that was the issue with the sunglasses was my eyes were closed when I didn't have them on. So I look like a dumbass just singing with his eyes closed for 20 minutes. Yeah, I actually <laughs> had that problem too, honestly, with the acoustic stuff. Like, yeah, I don't know what it was, but yeah. And it was my first manager, my good buddy, Jamie. He was like, dude, <laughs> get, I'm laid on you thick right now. <laughs> the eyes closed. The, um telling the freaking story about every song before i played it he goes dude oh, yeah. it's maybe one if it's like hella funny or if you have a joke but like we don't need to know every i was like damn it he goes learn to talk about other things learn to work the crowd so i was like okay so i took some time for performing i'm just i don't know at one point where i decided to go back it might have been when i first jammed uh with my with the original maui group and I'm thinking like, okay, I'm front man. I really got to bring something. But now I'm, I got people with me. So it makes it a little bit more comfortable to be on stage. It when is. You got some other buddies, definitely. Yeah. So I think that's what helped out a lot. And um, Mondo specifically was one of the first guys I ever decided, you know, my first drummer. And I've done Great Day with him. You met Mondo as well. We did yeah. the Great Day skit together. And uh, um, Mondo was the first dude I was able to comfortably sit down and like, just vibe with for whatever reason, you know, and the more I got to know Mondo, it was like, the more it was like, Oh dude, I can relate to this guy so much. Like I found that they're about, you know, a little older than I was, but I was like, dude, I can still relate to these guys. And then, you know, his, you know, Macker, you know, which was bass player from Maui. Uh, we ended up jamming together and that's how the second, you know, set of Maui was formed. But it was like, dude, like there's people out there, you know, and, and you realize how much they bring out of you compared to like, I was thinking of it, I was like, at one point, I was just like out of the factory stock, basic songwriter, three chord progression <laughs> songs, right? Yeah. And then you start, you know, really building relationships with other musicians. I'm talking about Saul, like, hey, man, what are you doing? Let's jam today. Yeah, come over. You know, those kind of relationships where the buddy's always down to jam. And that was the thing was like, I was meeting these people that were like, oh, I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. Let's link up. And the day comes, it's like, oh, I'm busy or something. Yeah. Well, I met Mondo at Babylon Club one night. And uh, Babylon, another Babylon, throwback. dude, another <laughs> yeah. throwback, right? See, man, these places are oof, long gone, but memories, memories. But uh, yeah, Mono's like, oh, dude, you're sick, you know, here's my number, let's leave. He bought me a beer, he goes, let's jam out. I'm thinking, oh, yeah, sure, man, whatever. <laughs> 
And he ends up calling me, I think like two days later or something like that. And then he's like, hey, what's up, man? It's Mono. We met. Let's, he's still trying to jam out. And I was like, yeah, dude, for sure. And I was living in Kerman at the time. He goes, oh, that's cool. I'll drive out there, dude. So he's down. He's ready. And he's down, dude. Well, he rolls up and like he pulls out this. Uh, no, no, no. He brings out his drum set, right? And I just have acoustic guitar. It's not electric or anything. But yeah. I have this uh, this uh, AKG, this dynamic mic. So I can just kind of set it up in front of me, turn the PA a little bit, just kind of sing full out in front of it. And then we're kind of making it work for a little bit. <laughs> and uh, so I'm like, cool. He goes, man, this isn't working, dude. Because this is tight. <laughs> I like your impression. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, man, this isn't working. This is tight. He goes, but I just feel like I'm overpowering you on the drum. I go, oh, okay, that's what you mean. <laughs> He goes, let's go to Guitar Center real quick, dude. Literally, we were there for like maybe 15, 20 minutes jamming. So he's like, let's go to Guitar Center real quick. So from Kerman, we go to Guitar Center. Mono buys a cajon acoustic instrument. So we go back. Now we're set just jamming together. And from there on, we just, you know, till this day, you know, it's Mondo and I, whenever we're together, definitely a shitload of trouble. I'm not going to lie. Like, we're just like, not that I'm an irresponsible person or anything like that. But when Mondo and I are together, it's like. Uh, dude, it's time to have some fun for sure. Yeah, Mono, brings out the more party aspect. Probably laugh when he hears this for sure. Probably <laughs> give me a little handshake. Well, Mono's just—I'm uh, very thankful for that guy. As far you know, sentimentally, because he was the first dude I ever just decided like, all right, I'm not going to be a solo. I'm going to start jamming with people. And, um, with the new EP release, are you doing a? Is it a full band set? Are you doing electric or is it acoustic? So it ended up. Uh, I was trying to, you know. Financially, in the end, I wasn't able to pay the musicians, um, the ones I wanted to get. You know, mm -hmm. I was just like, dang, dude, it's because it's just when you're by yourself. That's the down part when you're not in a band and you're a solo artist. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? Well, let me just take some time and I'll, I'll try to work on the stuff myself. Bass, I'm not a bass player, so I know you've got to have certain style to, you know, play a good bass lines and stuff. So I gave it a shot and... Kind of threw some ideas around, listened to it, threw some more on. And when it came to the drums, that was the only part I was like, okay, I'll pay for drums because it's going to be solid. I was going to get Sean from 40 Watt Hype. Okay. He was going to originally lay the drums down. And uh, again, it just ended up not working out. And I was going to get uh, Jaime, my drummer from Maui originally. And then just, again, you know, jobs, careers, um, linking up as far as schedules. So. And that's, you know, it's, musicians know that, you know, meeting up, you know, as far as schedules go, work schedules, you're very committed to a certain lifestyle. So I'm like, dude, I'm crap out of luck. And that was one of the first reasons, like, well, I'm not going to release this crap without like solid sounding drums or at least good beat behind it. I go, I'm not a drummer. I can't come up with like drum grooves or anything like that. And it was those two days I had off where I decided to just demo stuff out. The first thing I did was like, well, I know the songs. I know the timing. I go to know time frames. I go. Let me just try to make program my own drums, you know, MIDI style. <coughs> Excuse me. I texted Robert. I was like, hey, dude, if I program these like sick drums, like I'll literally take my time making fills and whatever not, you know. Was, yeah, dude, we can literally buff them up a little bit. And then to this day, I'm like listening to these tracks. on. Sometimes I forget like, dude, I made these tracks on my phone, dude. Is it amazing technology now? It's technology. like if you take the time, you can like you can really. By the in. way, yeah, I use this. Uh, since I, you know, I'm an Android user, so I didn't have a lot of D, uh, DAW programs to run on there. FL Studio was, you know, it's okay, but you're very limited to stuff. I was like, no, I got to get in there in depth, kind of, you know, make some stuff on here. And uh, Samsung had this program called SoundCamp. And I really like studied this from top to bottom. And I was like able to execute every portion of this app. I was like, okay, I got my own studio in my pocket now. I would carry my blue microphone around with me and dude, like I would do some solid demos off this thing. And it's getting toward the end of my sessions. And again, I have everything backed up on here. Drum files, again, I haven't exported them. And I get an email, uh, file update like, hey, Samsung's taking this off the market. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, apparently not a lot of people are using it. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, no, no, no. My like, life. <laughs> so I'm like literally like backing stuff up right away. And I ended up taking it to the studio. So we're able to save it. And uh, I go in one day and the MIDI drums do not sound MIDI anymore. I'm just thinking like, Robert what did you do man like oh, no. so i ended up not needing a drummer it's like 
I was like, how did you take, because, you know, MIDI, everyone knows if you're familiar with MIDI, has that certain digital sound to it. Yeah, like, exactly, right? Yeah, it's like a weird. But I came in one day and it was, God, it sounded like just straight up drum kit. And I was like, Robert, I go, dude, good shit, man. (laughs) Like, all of a sudden, I was like, are we back? We're ready to go. Like, yeah, dude, let's do the album. We don't need a drummer after all. I ended up programming everything on my phone. They ended up sounding killer. Re-recorded the bass lines, which I got down. And, uh, I tracked everything on my own, man. And it was just a, ma- a f- matter of going through, again, those periods were like, I'm not going to do it. Like, oh, no, kill my mood. Like, there's no way I'm going to get it done. And then you get to that point. It's like, well, there's no one stopping me but myself. And that's, you know, all aspects of life. You can take that, you know, to the grave with you, I guess. But it came down to that. Like, well, there's no one stopping me but me. I go, I've worked so many hours on this thing. It's like, why am I not releasing it? So. Yeah, I'll I'll go in between classes. I'll teach a morning class. I'll go to the studio for another five hours, go back to my night class. And, you know, those are my days sometimes, you know, barely any sleep. I think two weeks ago is when we hit the studio really hard. I think I had about maybe maybe eight hours of sleep total for that week. I remember just being zombie mode every day at work, but thinking like, this is it, though, man. Like, this is why I'm feeling like this, because this is the work I'm deciding to put in. And it's worth it. Exactly. You know, it's how much you want to put into it. Even when you want to quit, it's like. Okay, take a break then, and then we'll come right back to it. Take notes or something. Um, well, I, I don't know. I, I've been to studios where they won't let you take the work home with you sometimes. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had this one guy, um, and the funny thing was is it, it was the first time I was like, I was like, okay, maybe I'll try to experiment with a new studio for this project. And I was like, okay, you know, it might not be a bad idea. And he decides he's going to give me this deal about, like, oh, I'll record the first song for you free. I'm thinking like, oh, crap. All right, cool. So he shows me this R&B singer. Um, and it sounds great. Her voice is just killer. I was like, dude, this sounds like awesome. I was like, all right, cool. Let's do it. So we go the first day. And uh, I'm used to going to Robert. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, take it home with you. Take your notes. I was like, yeah, for sure. And he's like, uh, we record, which is my song, my song, right? Six shots. And I was like. I do that, you know, can you put it on my phone? So I go, listen, he goes, uh, he goes, I don't know, man. He goes, this sounds kind of good. And my first thing is like, well, what do you mean? I go, this is my song. I go, you're supposed to record it free for me and I can't take it home. He goes, yeah, just something this good. I don't usually like, you know, send home right away. I go, well, I got to take my notes and see what's going to happen here. Right. Well, how the mix is going to go. And I don't know if he didn't think I was, you know, because Robert's trained me as far as, you know, what I should be doing as far as homework goes when I'm recording, going to recording mode. So I don't know if he didn't think, you know, as far as when I brought out notes and stuff and I was like, oh, crap, this dude's like, like on. I was like, yeah, dude, I take notes. I listen. Obviously, yeah. we're making a record here. Like maybe just as a whole different process. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. So I think he was just and he did. It was a. We laid a scratch demo down. I go, dude, this is awesome. He brought some uh, fellow musicians, uh, a guitar player and a drummer for me in session. So I had a full band for session. I go, oh, this is different. I never yeah. had it before. And they learned the song rather fast. And, and we tracked a good demo. And I'm thinking like, oh, dude, this is like sounding awesome. And yeah, by the time it came, he was like, yeah, I don't know if I can let you take that home. I was like, dude, that's my song right there. Like I wrote that song. Like I have original demos from like earlier dates if you want to go that route so i ended up texting him i was like hey man i go it's uh i go, you can just wipe that late clean please i go i'm not gonna be recording there so i'm going back with robert that's interesting yeah like different roles different studios yeah roles. it was just a different vibe and i go by the time i go back to robert it was like dude this is this is home like this is where i record this is the place i feel yeah. comfortable so Sometimes it takes that step to like out out of your normal place. Exactly. Like, so like that, you know what? I was actually really good where I was. Yeah. At. yeah. So that's another thing in the musicians. It's like, don't be afraid to try something different. Right? And sometimes it works, I guess, in my opinion, in my favor, because um, I go back to that song, Six Shots. It's more of an alternative song. And that was me going from my usual upbeat, rockish, reggae kind of style to something more like serious. Um, using open chords rather than, the, and then a plucked, palm muted kind of yeah. little strike actually using open chords and i was like it was my first take on that i was like oh this song makes me feel like this so i started singing these words and it wasn't until like two weeks after i wrote six shots i didn't realize what it was about you know it's essentially the people who give it all up you know to take that road down to hollywood you know so to speak um and even some of them who are great and have great voices and have great songs you know including myself 
And you just get to that point where it's like, dude, I gave it all. Like, I feel like I lost it all now. Like, yeah. you know, someone told me I wasn't good enough. Or, And that happened when I went to audition for America's Got Talent. I seen that a lot of these like broken hearts. Like, yeah, like that's it. I'm awesome done. This talent. is it. Yeah. And people are like, oh, I'm not good enough. And I'm like, well, this there's a reason the TV say produced by like there's a show going on here. It's not really like, you know. Yeah uh going to a rock concert or something like that there's a difference between shows here this is something where they're trying to sell like on the spot and i'm like no i go is this this, even if i made it i was like is this the story i want to write on compared to the places i've seen and where i've come from like no that's the story i want i don't want the easy again no offense you know some people like that stuff you know but for me, it's like, no, I want to have a true story behind myself. I want people to know, like. Sometimes it's better the journey. Yeah. Anyway, like to experience the journey is funner. And that's for everyone, which is why, you know, talking to different musicians or artists, it's like, dude, you come from that. It's like, damn, I thought I had it bad or vice versa. Yeah. And you learn things. And it's like, this is why we're all one. It's like, you know, like I said, I mentioned I, I did Deceiver earlier. I, I, I got to know their guitar player. Oh, back in the day, Charlie, you know, does art by numbers now. I don't know what Sincato, uh, not art by numbers. Was it uh, uh, artificial, artificial language? Artificial language, dude. That guy's a beast. But the funny thing about that though, because he did replace art by numbers originally, right? I remember when he was doing Eye of the Deceiver, and I would start going over to his place. <laughs> He's all, dude. I should be in art by numbers. He goes, I should be in that bad guitar for this little kid, right? And I'm thinking, like, uh, how old was he? He was small. Dude, he was. Fresh out of high school for oh, sure. Okay. This is 2012, 2013. Yeah, this was about seven years ago when I first met Charlie. And um, he goes, I should be in that. He goes, look at I know all the songs. And then he was learning the solos note by note. And I'm thinking, like, this little shit is <laughs> <laughs> like such hey, a badass. Though, yeah. Definitely. I was like, this guy is such a badass, dude. And like <laughs> me, just, you know, metalhead, like Charlie was into like, you know, some very technical yeah. stuff at a very as far as you know guitar goes you know picking it up his early years of it because i remember asking him he was like oh i've only been playing like three and a half years or something i'm just thinking like yeah some people just have that mind of just like i'm gonna learn every single thing about this every day he was just you know his classical guitar i think he took uh classes at city or something like that but it's funny the more i got to know charlie i was like well he's got his his foot in the door as far as knowing the guys from art by numbers now (laughs) and i remember the day i found out Oh yeah, dude, I'm the new uh, I'm in art by numbers. I'm the guy. I was like, you little son of a bitch. <laughs> like, well, you fucking did it. <laughs> Dang. Had that like, mindset. He goes, I'm the fucking dude. new guitarist. And then and also another thing I remember he was like, always oh, like, dude, I want an Ernie Ball, man. I want a John Petrucci, you know, Ernie Ball, man. He goes, I need that guitar. Dang. And he was he sold me a, a line six half sack at one point because he was saving, you know, for this guitar. And I when he finally got it and fucking like a few months later, oh guess what? I'm endorsed by Ernie Ball. God damn, Charlie. So it was like, and again, you know, it's kind of back to the white glove service example, you know, watching someone, you know, stick with it and put that much work into it. It's like, dude. Progression. Fucking fucking man. And uh, and every now and then, you know, I'll hit him up. Dude, like, dude, good shit. I see you, man. It's just, (laughs) his his playing just gets better and better, man. And, you know, and that's one thing, you know, I've been sat, I've been asked to sit down and, and, you know, hey, can you, you know, sit down and help me write a song or something? Say, yeah, dude, let's write a song, whatever. And it turns out where, you know, the other person gets somewhat intimidated. Or sometimes I'm just like, dude, I can't think of anything. You know, like this person's just dope as fuck. Like uh, Eric Tyler, are you familiar with Eric Tyler? No. Eric He's, Tyler. Uh, he was, he was based here for a while. He's like this, got this little trio, Eric Tyler and the vibe. I think they go by. Dude, he's like fucking Jimi Hendrix on the guitar, bro. Like, oh wow, he can like his songs, the way he writes them, he, he sings and and plays like the lead shit at the same time. Which like me, I have to like sing, stop, and then play a lead. Like, yeah, it's like he's a got he's got that. Yeah, he's got that. You know, little element in his where it's like he doesn't have to separate it. Where he can keep it together. And it's like, but Eric Tyler, dude, his voice is fucking awesome. And, like again, he's like someone I like. You know, you know, kind of look into them a little. Like, where's this guy come from? And, was a baseball player back in college and i was like oh, dude, i was into sports too so you kind of learn like you know you'd be surprised where people come from again but dude the guy's songwriting is just he's got a groovy little sound in him but his guitar playing is fucking just Jimi hendrix like is the way i would call it and um he's released you know sends emails out to his fan base and it's like so you know again it's all work how much you want to do 
money yeah sure it's definitely gonna cost money everyone knows that everything costs money so again how much you want to work to how much money you want to make to how much you want to put into what you love there's a whole element and structure to it um i've definitely been there many times you know put priorities aside so i could just go to the studio for that extra day because fuck it's gonna be worth it one day and maybe i've done that one too many times where it's affected me for sure and trust me i've been through that downfall but again you know took advantage of it musically and then was able to get back up and it was um you learn from it it's like all right now i know what not to do i go but again i've never lost that drive for music to sit down and just pick up a guitar and be like all right cool i'm gonna write a song today um or even be afraid to write your own songs um i guess that was another thing i was afraid of at one point but you break out of it eventually just like stage fright you know being nervous now i can you know comfortably you know carry a conversation with someone for the most part not be afraid to learn about something you know yeah sometimes it's those things that make you nervous is kind of yourself telling yourself that hey that's probably what i need to be doing yeah and ultimately yeah yeah, you end up not learning about them so much as you end up learning about yourself and it's like oh shit reality check like all right maybe i am you know on a little high horse gotta take it down a few notches and i that's kind of you know I was definitely struck by that at one point, especially when I got, uh, I was able to take my guys down to play at House of Blues in Hollywood. I think around that time, I was like, oh, dude, I'm doing something badass here. And then it somewhat got to me where I was like, I make sure, you know, the Facebook is up to date and shit. But then it was like, what about the fucking performance? I was like, dude, why don't you care? Why aren't you in your room rehearsing like you used to yeah. when you started? And I think when you start dwell, uh, dwelling into the whole business aspect of it, it starts sucking the fun out of it a little yeah, it's, like, it's right, a definitely gotta, a balancing thing. Yeah, yeah. I got to maintain an image now of the business, right? You got to make it look good. So it's yeah. like... It starts with the music first and then... Right? And then I, I'm not going to lie. You know, I lost track of that. And I was like, yeah, fuck this. Like, I need to step back, which is a main reason, too. The performing thing, I go, let me take a break. And so this whole evaluation break of mine was definitely one where it wasn't like in the past. I was like, oh, I'll take a little break for a few days or a week or I'll just pass on a few shows. But this time was really like... Reset. Yeah, literally reset. Went back, started all over in the studio again. And, dude, it's been the greatest decision. Fucking. I couldn't be more proud of it. The work I put into this, the emotions, literally, literally the blood from, you know, so much guitar playing and stuff, blisters. And it's uh, people are going to hear it, man. I'm just so excited to finally release it. When's the drop? September 20th, which is a Friday. Right. And it'll be on New Rock that following Sunday. Uh, usually like eight to nine on Homegrown. So. Uh, shout out to Drew on that one. So good looking. Um, but I'm excited, man. It's going to be everywhere. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, YouTube. All, all the, the main spots. All the main spots, man. But, well, we hit the part of the show. We're going to be doing some rapid questions. You ready? Definitely, man. man. Definitely. You can expand on them if yeah, you like. Yeah, or definitely. Short. All right, here we go. Hamburgers or tacos? Tacos, bro. Passenger or driver? Ooh, shit. Driver. Interesting. Toilet paper over or is it supposed to be under? Over. Over. Yeah, I don't like reaching under to pull. Yeah. Unless you have cats, though. I remember that. Oh, yeah, true. Small run of shows or tour of the states? Tour of the states. Tour of the states. Favorite Metallica song? Ooh. (sighs) Seek and Destroy. Seek and Destroy. Ooh, that's a good one. I love that riff. It's a nice one. Uh, best taco spot in town. Ooh, damn. <laughs> no feelings. No feelings. I can know, be hurt, right? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I got to go with a premium mayor, man. All right. Yeah. You got to take me there, man. I haven't eaten. Yeah, there. bro, for sure. Let's do it. Oh, God. I hope I answered that one right. <laughs> <laughs> I think you already answered this. Uh, favorite place to play live? Ooh. I like Fulton, man. Fulton, Fulton 55. Yeah. If you had to choose between guitar or vocals, which one would you land on? <laughs> guitar. Guitar? Yeah. Yeah. You started with the guitar, right? Yeah. You kind of drove your passion. Definitely. Um, where do you go when you're feeling doubt? Aubrey. Uh, there's this uh, granite cave. My buddy Matt showed me an Aubrey. It's a nice little mile hike to it. But uh, 
Aubrey, dude, is my getaway spot. If I ever feel like someone, oh, someone ever feels like I went missing, there's a good chance I'm in Aubrey. <laughs> Gotta get you a nice yeah. reset. Yeah, definitely. Peaceful. Uh, who would be your dream band to tour with? The Beatles. Oh, okay. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. I definitely got some songs that I can make a Beatles set kind of for. So yeah, Beatles for sure. Easily. Definitely. Well, that's been rapid questions. Nice. What do you want to tell the audience before we go? Oh, where can just, we find you on the internets? Oh, so now, uh, facebook.com slash, uh, George St. Cloud, you know, or George Anthony Musica, George, the musician, all the above. There's a bunch of links looking for George St. Cloud, <laughs> <laughs> George, the musician on Instagram. Uh, I link a lot of stuff on there, but yeah, thank you all for tuning in pretty much. Corey, thank you very much. Um, Sure, this won't be the last time we meet. Corey. Absolutely not, dude. We gotta have tacos together. Tacos. I'm sure we'll see you uh, at a New show very music soon. Music video, maybe. Oh, 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 oh. Absolutely. Thank you so much, George Anthony, for being on my show. Thank you for watching this episode of The Art of Mayo. I'll have all of his links down in the description so you guys can find him easily wherever he is on the internet. And, I'm all uh, over the place. Yeah, stay tuned for his album dropping September 20th. September 20th. Stereo right. Cloud. See ya. Peace. please visit www.patreon.com slash Corey Mayo. I'm going to be releasing some exclusive behind the scenes content for Patreon subscribers, and it's a way to directly support this show. So I'd really appreciate it. But until then, I'll see you guys on the next one. See you.